Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Running Back Edition. I'm Ian Harditz. Alongside me, two lovely PFF employees, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane and Nathan Yonke. Dwayne, how are you? Man, I'm doing excellent. Um, like you say, it's always a great day to be great, but it's especially a great day to be great whenever we get to have Nathan Yonke on the show with us. Like Nathan, like how many how many trophies have you taken home um, as far as your accuracy um, uh, in the rankings? Each of the last three years, top five. So yeah, just see how one casual of he says that, Ian. Uh-huh. See how casual he says that. It's just like yeah, pretty much top five every year in my life since I was born. Like that's what I heard. He's uh, he's actually getting a second office uh, added onto the establishment to, you know, make room for all those uh, extra mm-hmm. trophies we got going there. Nathan Yonke. And again, at at PFF underscore Nate Yonke. You got you got a long handle, Nate. I think I I think I nailed that one. But if uh, you do not follow Nathan already, just again, I, I think you're a cool guy, Nate. I think there's plenty of stuff there. But my goodness, man, just the fact that you don't miss a slate, whether it's preseason, Sunday night football, Thursday night, Monday night, the usual Sunday. This man has all of the snap rates that let, let's face it, you know, we see I, I'll tweet him out eventually. Dwayne will tweet him out. People around the industry do it. Nathan is the first guy to do that every single week, every single slate, and it's coming straight as soon as PFF's lovely play trackers are done with it. So, Nate, great to be potting with you again. We talked uh, about 10 minutes ago when we finished up the QB edition of this, but uh, great day. It'd be great. Good, sir. Thank you. And sometimes I'm tracking it myself, trying to do it faster than our guys are tracking it. So since that's <laughs> how I got my start at PFF was doing that, so. 13 years of experience there. So I'll get He's definitely faster. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Rogers. I'm trying to use our backend tool to get it. And like, I'll notice Nathan, like even if I'm like doing it live with him, like his, his tweets are like five minutes before <laughs> mine. <laughs> Riders, right. Grinders grind. All right, guys, we did our quarterback edition and look, we've, we've talked about these players plenty throughout the off season, but with things always changing, you know, seemingly by the day, particularly with uh, training camps in week one, right around the corner here. Just want to quickly go back through some general strategy tips and then just get through some more big picture questions, hopefully ahead of your draft this weekend. So guys starting things off, Looking at traditional one quarterback redraft leagues, you have two or three running back spots, a couple flexes. There's nothing that's really forcing you to take quarterbacks overly early. If there are big differences in terms of early, middle, and late draft position, which I do think there can be, particularly in the earlier rounds when we still have an idea of what players could be available, we can reference that. But Dwayne, seems like having done many drafts with you, my friend, really leaving the first three rounds with one or two running backs. You don't have to. We did an entire podcast on how to start, you know, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Got it. It's every time. Triple wide receiver, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) We did a podcast on that. But just again, Dwayne, having done so many drafts this year, I really do think we have a rare chance to get some of these workhorses or explosive pass catching backs in those first three rounds, maybe even into the fourth round, looking at you, Travis Etienne. That tends to be my preferred strategy. Try to leave those first three, four rounds if it sets up that way with at least one or two running backs. Yeah, I would say like I at least want to come away with one 
in the first three rounds. There are occasions where the board falls a certain way. To your point, we had a whole podcast about it and just what to do if, if the board does fall that way or you just want to go triple wide receiver to start. Um, you can. It, one thing I'll say, even like taking one step back from just the running backs, and we've mentioned this before, it's a very flexible year. Like I've honestly worked through a strategy of basically starting your draft every way possible. And there's just, you have a lot of ways that you can build your team, you know, and there's a lot of pockets of value. I think this year that we haven't always seen um, some years shape up better than others versus ADP. We never know for sure how ADP is going to react. And so um, it's a really good year, no matter what you want to do. But yes, I typically want to come away with at least one back Um, quite often. I'll still come away with two backs in the first three rounds and it is a year and we did a pod on this one too, the triple RB start. Typically, you know, I haven't advised a three RB start in like three years. But this year, I do think in PPR specifically that there is an opportunity to start that way because you could start off, you know, in the first round and you could take someone like Austin Eckler in the middle. If you're playing in a home league, guess what? Saquon Barkley's coming all the way back to you in the middle of the second round. And then the third round, if you like a guy like James Conner, if you want to wait till the fourth round and take Travis Etienne, then technically you'd be getting three out of your first four picks. But we, if you look at the types of profiles of backs we get, you know, we don't necessarily want just early down grinders like a Nick Chubb. I don't necessarily want him to be part of that equation. But if you have guys that are going to be involved in the passing game, they're explosive playmakers, especially in PPR, because typically we look back historically, like when you look at the guys that are smashing those top three outcomes, that's their profile that they're very involved in the passing game. And we just have quite a few options this year that, you know, slide into the middle, late second round, and even into the third round. So there are opportunities to start even with three running backs. And honestly, you can do it from any position, you know, in your draft. Ian, we've we've done it from multiple positions in the draft. It just depends on which backs are available. Nathan, your perfect 2022 fantasy football draft strategy, round by round, 3.0, recently republished on pff.com. And within that article, you know, you have links to actually your specific strategy with picks one through three, four through six, seven through nine, and 10 through 12. This is part of what makes our new Pro Football Focus app so great, our draft strategy mode, where literally you can put in what pick you're picking from, get our advice, get our targets round by round throughout your draft based on your specific settings and where you are actually picking from. So check that out. If you haven't already again at the app store pro football focus but nate kind of i guess i will say while the targets might change depending on where you're picking from you know top of the first round or bottom of the first round do you still kind of agree with what Dwayne and i are saying here where really man trying to get out of the first three four rounds you should probably have one or two running backs at that point yeah i definitely want one the vast majority of the time i try to get two in the first three rounds just the drop off after the top 15 guys everyone after that it's like yeah, Travis Etienne looks great week one, but once James Robinson is healthy, maybe it goes to a two-back committee, or maybe they like Robinson more. Things can happen with the Rams. Cam Akers could become the backup at some point of time. Like After that point, there's so many what-ifs. Running backs are always so injury-prone anyway, where the top 15 guys we can be more confident on, at least that they will see a high amount of volume, where there's probably at least eight teams where we know no matter what happens with injury, there's never going to be a workhorse back there because that's just what the coach does. They like rotating their guys. So whenever you can get one of those teams where there's someone who's the number one guy, you want them. So I'd be happy with two. I'd even be happy with three in the first four rounds. Travis Etienne, slander aside, I think we're all on the same page here. Uh, gentlemen, looking ahead to general strategy and super flex and the quarterback pod we discussed, really how – 
necessary it can be to get pretty much the opposite of what we just said. We want two quarterbacks in the first three rounds in Superflex, just like in regular, more normal redraft leagues. We want at least one or two running backs within that time period. So, guys, with Superflex, I guess the question is because, you know, once you get your quarterbacks, it just kind of starts to unfold like a typical uh, draft other than just the importance of maybe adding on another quarterback late. But, Dwayne, if we were going to be in a Superflex draft and you know you're going to kind of get away from your strategy there is it really going to only be for someone like a jonathan taylor like a christian mccaffrey because after that group man like i'm i have a home league coming up this weekend and like i'm looking at you know henry eckler dalvin Najee, like that second tier of running backs and yeah we all have our preferred guy there and i i have my pick you know i'm probably gonna take Derek freaking henry uh because i can't get justin jefferson Ugh! but anyway i'll worry about that later Dwayne. With Superflex, do you have running backs that you're, I guess, more willing uh, to target early just and really play the weight at quarterback game? Yeah. Um, it Again, it just depends on who slides. But, like, if I'm sitting at pick seven or eight and Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor are there, I'm going to take those guys. Um, but then, like, once they're gone, like, I'm back over to quarterback again. So, like, even if you look at our PFF consensus ranks, we're all actually pretty close on how we have this set up and the guys we'd be willing to take. Um, Nathan's a little more willing, um, even in a super flex, to take one of those running backs, specifically Jonathan Taylor, you know, earlier, so he can speak to that. But at the end of the day, like, I'm still going to take value, you know, when it slides because just you just never know how your draft's going to go. Like, I've been in a super flex draft before where, like, Derek Carr, you know, is coming off the board before Justin Jefferson. Okay, great. Hooray me. I'm taking Justin <laughs> Jefferson like when that happens. So you're adapting to the room, but knowing that you're in a super flex, you're already thinking multiple steps ahead. And okay, if I do this, I may need to reach around to get Justin Fields. I may need, you know, again, we talk about trying not to reach, but there are certain positions where we know there's only so many available and the quarterback and the tight end definitely do that. Um, whenever you get into leagues where you can use multiple, you know, of those positions. So you just got to be, you, you can't be stubborn and wait too long. So you definitely want to leave yourself open to take the value. But as soon as you do that, you should already be plotting out if then kind of scenarios on when you're going to take your quarterback and who your targets are. With our PFF consensus Superflex ranks, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert are the big five. After that, we do have Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor popping up just before Jalen Hurts, then Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Trey Lance, Joe Burrow. Only then at pick 13 do we start getting Austin Eckler and the other guys are sliding down even later. So don't need to go quarterback. Quarterback, if you are going straight from that path, though, it better be for someone like a McCaffrey, Taylor, Jefferson at value. Nathan, anything else to add in the Superflex? Yeah, just um, since often I'll be the one going to quarterbacks, so there will be someone else who likes to get some of those running backs early. So I do find it a little bit harder to get the two good running backs if I'm prioritizing quarterbacks. So I will often only get one of those top 15 guys, and then once that happens, wait a while for that second or third running back, and then just get a lot of them late because then you're building your strength at all the other positions. Hey, Nathan, one quick question I had, like, I see, are you, you're really actually, you're willing to take Jonathan Taylor, number two in a super flex. It depends on the league size. The oh league man, size. you paused. <laughs> Come on. I saw this number two in here. I was like, man, Nathan's about to punch me in the face. 
You know, Ian, when he gets mad, he just says he's going to break my glasses. So <laughs> that was that. that was like one time. <laughs> I'm I, never letting it go, Nate. <laughs> all right, guys. Before we get into auction, because I know Dwayne's is going to tell us a lot of stuff that friend of the pod, Drew Davenport, is going to say. I did want to give a shout out to Drew at Drew Davenport FF. Dude really just grinds his ass off in the auction scene. And oh, yeah, he's also a lawyer uh, during the day. So we actually get awesome insights from him. You know, I'm, I'm, I think we all know I'm not the biggest fan of threads out here but you know drew does these threads that he's just giving you information and in a bunch of tweets because sometimes you need a bunch of tweets to give out a bunch of information that's fine just spare me you know the why, why, why use one tweet when you can use 20 type of freaking uh shit that these gen zers are doing these days but all that aside Dwayne, anything fun about running backs that you've learned from drew's ever fantastic auction strategy well again it depends on your league how many flex spots you have. We talked about this in the quarterback, so I won't you know, hit all that again. You folks can go back and listen to that. But all those same things apply. And so if you're in a league where you don't have a lot of flex players, then I might spend up to 25% if I can get one of the absolute best running backs, meaning I can get a CMC, I can get a JT. I typically will not go over that, so I usually do, you know, you're not going to get one. You know, I say typically, a lot of this is me just looking at how other people's auction drafts go. It's not like I've done 50 of them in the last week. I've just read a bunch of Drew's threads. Let's just be honest here, people. Um, but you, you want to be careful about that. You know, you, you don't want to overspend on it. But if you're going to overspend a little bit on any one spot, you know, in a traditional you know, league with only one quarterback, like it's going to be your running back spot. That's where you're going to do it. But again, I typically think of it just the way I would a snake draft. Like, you know, who goes at the top of the first round, that should be the guys that go for the most in an auction. If for some reason they're not going for that and they're cheaper, then you go after them. Otherwise though, I just want to continue to practice constraint. You know, I want to have a really strong team from top to bottom versus a stars versus scrubs kind of approach, you know, is, is my thought process. Nathan, from your own experience, you know, with auctions, do you find yourself just really letting someone else outbid uh, you and the rest of the league on these top running backs? Or maybe is there a running back this year where, you know, even though Dwayne's got his little 20% number out here, we can, we can be mad about this. We can go out and spend 40 bucks if we want to. Is there someone like that, Nathan? Or do you kind of agree with the, like, don't be a hero kind of mindset? Um, I agree. Stay disciplined. Last year, if it was Austin Eckler, I would have done it for Eckler, but not at his price tag this year. There's just... At Positions like quarterback and tight end, we talked about the top 10 guys, and I can be fairly confident, barring injury, those are going to be the top 10 guys at the end of the season in some kind of order, where running backs we see all the time, just players that we didn't expect finish in the top five, top 10. They do it like James Conner, someone who last year I probably wouldn't have said was going to be a top five running back, and then here we are a year later. So um, because I'm less confident about the running backs I have ranked, we'll stay there because of a number of things that can happen to running backs. Because of that, I'm not as willing to spend high on the top couple running backs. All right, fellas. Good stuff on the strategy, general strategy tips. I want to get into a few more specific questions here. So Dwayne and I have discussed what really constitutes a dead zone running back. It's usually considered kind of rounds four through seven. On the one hand, these are running backs that usually the guys we see here, they're committee early down backs. Maybe the offense is good, maybe it's not. But we're either looking at multiple injuries away from a full-time role or we're just not seeing that sort of three down, pass down role. And it really just kind of, it, it leaves you questioning the overall upside of these guys when they're going up against legit upside wide receivers still or Kyle Murray still. So it's kind of this double-edged sword where we have uh, – archetypes of running backs that we're not thrilled about and we still have plenty of really good players on the board that we love to draft with that said don't hate the player hate the adp i'm 
making a ruling at the dead zone is like ADP pick 40 through 70. Looking at fantasy pros consensus ADP, that means I'm talking about guys like Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, AJ Dillon, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde edwards helaire even Damon Harris sneaks in there. Guys, if you want to cheat a little bit, fine, but don't go too far uh, out of that zone. Dwayne, what dead zone RB would you be most interested in drafting at cost? If I have to pick one of them, it's A.J. Dillon. You know, he's going pick 64, um, but you're just betting into the upside that if something does happen with Aaron Jones, you know you probably have a top five back. I'm still not crazy about taking A.J. Dillon in that round because of the receivers that are available. Um, Actually, it's funny. Like, a lot of experts love A.J. Dillon. They draft him every single draft. I have pretty low exposure, you know, to Dillon. But if I have to pick, it's him because, like, Josh Jacobs, he checks all the boxes we don't want, right? Elijah Mitchell, a lot of unknowns, checks the boxes we don't want, doesn't catch passes. J.K. Dobbins, he, I don't even know if he's going to play week one, right? Yeah. Doesn't catch passes. Lamar Jackson runs the ball. They rotate. So it's like these are very prototypical, you know, dead zone backs. So A.J. Dillon is the one, in my opinion, that doesn't that doesn't fit that. I mean, there is number 40, Brees Hall, but, you know, he's, he just now slid into that, like probably in like the last two days. I do wonder if we're maybe over, like we're expecting Aaron Jones to be the lead receiving back here because he's one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. Last year, though, same amount of games with 40-plus receiving yards as A.J. Dillon. Nathan, from what you've seen, and I, I know the Packers haven't really played their uh, their ones. I don't think they played them at all in, in the preseason. But with this split, you know, we have heard LaFleur say that he basically does consider A.J. Dillon a starter. I know we always hope for the two running back sets, but that's just not something that we're going to see, except for Tony Pollard, Dwayne, except for Tony Pollard in the year 2022, Dwayne. Uh, with that said, Nathan, what kind of split are you expecting between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones? Because I do wonder if it could just almost be like a, all right, Aaron, you got the first series. A.J., you got the second. Um, I think there will be some tendency of Jones playing more on third downs and then Dylan playing more on the first and second downs. I think they're comfortable using them interchangeably, but I think because the two backs have a strength in both of those areas that I think they'll use them in that way. Um, like, But they'll mix up the pace of their offense at times, so then they'll keep the same guy in in those situations. But when they're not playing fast, then they can stick whoever's in based on the situation. Makes sense to me, good sir. What dead zone RB are you looking to target the most, Nathan? If at all, maybe your answer is no. Like, Dwayne didn't even think about that. There, um, one guy that I do find myself moving up my rankings like a little bit each time I do an update is Chase Edmonds with Miami. Um, he definitely has the receiving role there. They paid him significantly more than they paid any other running back and just let Sony Michelle go a day or two ago. So, um, they were definitely happy to use him there. A uh, second preseason game, they didn't play Raheem Mostert that game, but uh, Edmonds was playing the three down role there. I do expect Mostert to take some of that, but when you have a, the top running back on a team with the coaching staff that used to be the 49ers offensive coordinator and run game coach, they're going to want to run the ball, even though they have plenty of good wide receivers too. So I could see Edmonds playing well and Raheem Mostert definitely will see some carries, but um, at his age and his injury history, there's probably a point this season where Mostert could very well be a three-down back, or uh, Edmonds could be a three-down back and just see a little bit of rotation with the backups. A week I ago. didn't know I had to stay inside the 70. That was definitely <laughs> the best one. Like, I, I keep moving Edmonds up every time ADP moves up. Like, the only reason, like, one of the anchors I use for my ranks, like in my tiers, I still look at ADP because we know people will just freaking, they'll just draft straight off our list, right? So you, I never want to have like somebody way too high because they'll just, 
go take them like three rounds early. Like part of winning your draft is like having the art of, oh, okay, I can actually wait until round seven to take Chase Evans. And you don't want people, people will go send you your draft, their draft board because I've done this in the past. And they're like, man, you took Chase Evans in round three, you know? So um, I love that one. I'm, I'm absolutely like, and again, explosive um, pass catching backs. Like that's what we're looking for. Chase Edmonds like had the most 15 plus, you know, yard carries from a percentage standpoint last year. Also hit, I think like over on next gen stats, the guy that hit 15 plus miles an hour, the most like on, on the, on the highest percentage of his carries last year. So I think when Mike McDaniels got him, he knew exactly like what he was getting. Um, you know, basically he's getting Elijah Mitchell, but one that can catch passes. About to say, I mean, this really could be the arbitrage version of Austin Eckler, maybe even Alvin Kamara, dare I say. Again, arbitrage, poor man's version. I'm not comparing him one versus one social media guy, but this really has People didn't think Eckler was Eckler till he was. There you go. Really has been moving positively for uh, Chase Evans throughout the entire training camp and preseason. I mean, again, as Nate brought up, like the money indicated he was going to be the starter. But even a week ago, I just we weren't really sure what this committee was going to look like. And we still have questions at a minimum, though, really not expecting much from Miles Gaskin in terms of making this much of a three headed monster, which maybe I'm wrong on that. We'll see what week one brings and fully expecting Chase Evans to lead what's probably going to be mostly just a two back committee. Quickly, though, we did get that news today. Sony Michelle signed with the Chargers. I don't want to hurt myself, pat my own back, Dwayne, but I'm pretty sure I called the Chargers getting this veteran RB on this lovely PFF fancy football podcast. It was something that, you know, anyone probably with a brain could have guessed, but hey, whatever, we'll take it. With that said, Dwayne, Sony Michelle on the Chargers. To me, this is just bad for Isaiah Spiller. How hyped are you about Sony Michelle, or like, do you even care that much? I'm not really hyped just because Sony's just really not very good. Like he, he would need Austin Eckler to be hurt to have, you know, a role, but I guess that's what you're buying, right? You're just buying the handcuff. You're not expecting him. You're not going to use him unless, you know, Eckler goes down to me. This is just good for Eckler. Um, they, they don't really have a competent backup. Like, I, I mean, Sony Michelle's fine. He can come into the game. He can give you carries, but he's not a difference maker. You know, we've seen enough of it. I think at this point, you know, in his career. So I think for me, it's just like, I don't, think you know i know eckler's come out and said hey i only want to be used on like 50 percent of the snaps like i i really don't know how they're going to do that like i feel like he's going to have to be out there a little bit more than that and he's probably you know maybe sony michelle steals you know the you know some of the work down inside the five that would be bad because that's how a lot of people are like oh eckler touchdown regression like well he took over all the carries inside the five like if you do that and you're on a good offense you're going to have a chance to score touchdowns so i'm not so concerned about eckler's touchdown regression obviously it may not be what it was last year but if Sony Michelle were to take that role, that would definitely put a wrinkle into it. Nathan, you are the resident PFF Austin Eckler super fan. Are, are, you, are, you, are you leaving the bandwagon, man? No, I know you aren't. But like, what are your overall thoughts here? Like, is Sony actually someone that we should look at? Like an Isaiah Spiller now, I have my doubts on if we should even expect him to be the primary handcuff. Um, I do think he'll be the primary handcuff just because I've seen what else they have in their running back room. So I think he could very well see like eight carries a game maybe. And that obviously in most fantasy leagues won't be valuable, but I think if Eckler does go down before it would have been a three person committee with among their backups where now I think Sony will probably be the guy if Eckler does get injured. So he does provide that handcuff value in an offense. That's fairly good. And he has been an every down guy in a good offense before and has done a couple of things. So no, he's not the best running back in the world, but, the Chargers also definitely had a weakness at backup running back before. So um, he could be a decent handcuff late in rounds. 
we did see uh, it's always funny how, when it goes this way we're like i i get why they're not giving austin eckler 400 carries a year why would they but last year i mean when eckler did miss that game against the texans justin jackson was getting featured out there similar to kind of what we see in washington like he'd, he'd take a running back away and all of a sudden there's that you know massive role for a guy that even the starter you know maybe couldn't get uh at, the, at a certain point so washington may be a bad example there but you guys know what i'm talking about generally Favorite sleeper with an ADP outside the top 100. These are going to be our sleepers of the day brought to you by the lovely fantasy football app sleeper. If you're not using it for your drafts, you should most customizable league out there. Just good people, guys. I I love the sleeper fam. We're going to have a lot of mock drafts here on this channel very, very soon. Dwayne, your favorite sleeper running back with an ADP outside the top 100. You can't say Damian Pierce. His ADP better freaking be inside that at this point. It's 92. I'm, I'm staring straight okay. at it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't use him. Um, honestly, I think, you know, so, and this would definitely be PPR, not standard, but like the guy that I just find myself taking more and more is Naheem Hines, um, just based on the fact that I think he has more contingency value than we thought, right? So number one, we know he's the passing down back. We've seen him actually basically every other year have a decent fantasy season. Um, we've had the coaching staff say all you know offseason that they want to use him more in the passing game. They want to get him more involved. He actually is, unlike Tony Pollard, a really good route runner. Like He's technically like a receiver. Like He and J.D. McKissick are basically receivers playing running back. And then when you look at a guy like Hines, now if he all of a sudden has contingent value, um, and I mean, they released Philip Lindsay. So like, who's the next guy, Nate, Dion Jackson, I yeah. think is the next guy on the roster. I knew Nate would be the only one to know that for sure. Cause we know stupid stuff like that. Cause we look at utilization, but, um, I think it's him, man. Like I'm just, I'm warming up to him more and more and standard a little less, but now I think he has that contingency value. But in that first preseason game, when they actually did let Naheem Hines play and they did not have Jonathan Taylor, I think it was the first two drives. It was a hundred percent. Everything. It was a short down and distance, the long down and distance. Obviously he's going to get the passing down work. No surprise there, but they let him carry the ball like eight times. The other thing is we could see an offense that just needs to throw the ball more because if you look at the Colts, they threw the, they, actually led by four or more points, the third most in the league last year, 16% above the NFL average. So just on regression alone, they're going to need to throw the ball more. And then if they decide to speed up the offense, run more plays, there's just a lot of outs, in my opinion, for Neheem Hines. And he's a guy that actually they paid last offseason, and it just didn't, didn't quite come to fruition just because of the way all the game scripts and everything work. But now that he could potentially actually be the handcuff truly to Jonathan Taylor, I did not think that coming into the preseason but if he if Jonathan Taylor goes down I think we're probably going to see Naheem Hines at least in an Austin Eckler you know type role you know maybe 50 percent of the carries get all the passing down work and might surprise us and get the carries inside the five because there's just nobody else on the team and I love the offensive line as well so it's it's Naheem Hines Eckler's got one inch on Naeem Hines but they're you know listed 199 198 Naeem Hines technically got the higher BMI. I don't think he is one of these players having watched him that necessarily needs to be typecast as just a scat back. JD McKissick, probably someone that is, but you know, that's someone that really was playing like more full-time wide receiver at a point. So got to be careful with some of these guys. You know, it's always not, it's not always about, and I'm talking to you, Kenneth Gamewell truthers, not always about what we think the coaching staff will do uh, with a guy. If uh, you know, crisis happens, crisis hits, and we got to look at the backups and what kind of role they're going to going to have, whether or not they can fill that role. We got to see if they will have the opportunity to do so. Earlier in Naeem Hines' career, he did not. does seem like he will have that opportunity should something happen to Jonathan Taylor in 2022. Nate, favorite sleeper, ADP, outside the top 100. 
I'm going to go with the deeper sleeper. I'll go with Jarek McKinnon in Kansas City. He was on that. We saw in the playoffs last year what he could do in an every down role, playing 70 plus percent of the snaps, which a lot of that had to do with the injuries that Kansas City had. But he was seeing double digit carries, um, averaging over 100 yards rushing and receiving combined a game. Um, based on the preseason, he was consistently coming in on third downs with the first string. So I can be fairly confident he'll be the third down back at least to start the year. Um, with the first team, he also was taking a couple of first downs and second downs, just depending on how the drops were going. And Kansas City, both him and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire didn't play all that much in the preseason. So um, that, for my opinion, that means those are the two that they trust the most in Kansas City. They were rotating the other two guys with the first team in the last game. So if you have two other backup running backs, I don't know if you have one. So I could very well see McKinnon um, seeing additional work than just third downs. And that's a fluid enough backfield that it might not take an injury for him to see more snaps. It could just take him playing better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to start seeing increased snaps over time. So um, a bunch of these other backs, you do need an injury because the top guy is so good. But I think they're close enough together that it might not take an injury for Kansas City. Plus the offense is so good that a good running back there can be good for fantasy. See that again? Archetype. Archetype. Nathan and I like the archetype. We like the pass catching backs that are explosive, man. I'm just I, ha- I think it's archetype, right? It's not archetype. Have we been saying this wrong all year? Archetype. Archetype. Fantastic. Another great. You've player. probably been saying it wrong, knowing you, Ian. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My sleeper running back, the same guy that's been all damn offseason, people, is Jamal Williams. He's still going outside the top 50 running backs. Like right now, Fantasy Pros Consensus ADP. Going behind J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson, Raheem Moster, Rashad White, Khalil Herbert. Just, just guys that we're hoping could have the sort of role that Jamal Williams basically already has locked up. My pick to be this year's version of James Conner, the potential RB2, more likely touchdown dependent RB3 on a weekly basis. But God forbid something happens to the starter has a skill set to be a full three-down player. And although we didn't quite see that last year when Swift did miss time, Williams was also banged up, and he was still clearing 16 touches in those games without much of a problem. Everyone in their mother seems to be picking the Lions as the breakout team of the season, or at least, you know, beat their win total, maybe sneak into the playoffs. If they're going to do that, there's going to be one person in this offense other than Swift and Amonra, maybe Hawkinson doing something big. I think Jamal Williams has every chance to be that guy. Main event time. It's Damian Pierce, right? Come on. The story of the offseason at this point. Houston Texans RB1. Marla Mack out of the picture. Not really. He's back on the practice squad, but you could imagine. Dwayne, we already talked uh, yesterday in our Justin the Ranks episode about not 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 succumbing to double counting, you know, basically Damian Pierce getting named the starter and then also considering Marlon Mack being out of the picture, which again now he is basically back into it. I was Dwayne was kind of giving me some flack in the company chat, which I didn't appreciate, man. But then all of a sudden I go ahead and I look at our consensus ranks and, oh shit, I'm the highest on Damian Pierce out of any of you. I don't know if you guys just set me up, but this is a long-term collusion, but man, I have, let's see, Damian Pierce, unless Dwayne's changed it from the last time I looked, which would be a power move. Oh, he did. You sly (laughs) son of a bitch, Dwayne. You really changed it after I called you out in the company chat. Fair play to you. Damian Pierce, Dwayne's 58th player overall. My 62nd, Nathan, though, not drinking the Kool-Aid quite as much. We are seeing uh, him as the overall 73rd player on Nathan's board. Regardless, gentlemen, we all seem to agree. Damian Pierce, quality buy in the sixth round, maybe even in the fifth. 
But damn it, this is that RB dead zone we talked about again. I'm not saying he profiles necessarily like those other guys. With that said, Nathan, we could still see a situation where Damian Pierce is in a terrible offense. I think everyone agrees that's the situation we're looking at here. And I know Rex Burkhead shouldn't matter, Dwayne, but to Lovey Smith, I think he does. And it's stupid, and I agree it's stupid. But Nathan, how much involvement do you think guys like Rex Burkhead, Dario Ogumbawale, as Dwayne just shakes his head in rage over here, uh, how much impact do you think those guys are going to have on Damian Pierce this season? Um, I think Burkhead will definitely have an impact because I think Burkhead will remain the third down back all year. And the backs that are the backups are also more third down backs than early down backs. So I don't see Pierce at any point getting the third down role this year just because that's who Houston has on the rest of the offense. And in the last preseason game, it was Burkhead that was the every down back with the starters while Pierce was out. But I think Burkhead's also the backup early down back. So I actually like Burkhead as a late round pick because Houston doesn't have a great offense. So they should be passing a lot late and needing their receiving back a lot late, which means Pierce might not be able to run as much if the offense isn't doing as well. So I think Burkhead still has some value there and he's someone you can get late. Dwayne, we can go through the Happy Gilmore Chubbs apology because you, you've been on the Pierce train more than I was throughout the offseason, even before this. You know, you were right. I was wrong. You're well, smart. Funny, like I'm stupid. You're good looking. <laughs> you I'm were, not attractive. <laughs> you were on him too early, and then you kind of chilled on him. My only argument for him was just that, like, the depth chart was so weak, right? I mean, and I know your argument against him was, well, he never even had a full time role in Florida. I think now we know Florida just like tries to like keep good players on the off you know, off the field, Kadarius, Tony, you can't play, you know, Damian Pierce, you can't play. Um, I disagree with Nathan though. Like I, I I'm totally with him, you know, and I put out a tweet about this, you know, just with Rex Burkhead was out there for all the two minute offense, took all the long down and distance work. But I think the difference being is, you know, sometimes you have to take a little bit of a risk on a player like this and you have to think about where they're going to be at the end of the season. My bet would be that Damian Pierce does take over um, the every down role. Um, and I think he's worth the risk to, to go after it right now. Nathan could be right. I do think it's definitely in the range of outcomes. That if Burkhead 32 years old stays healthy all year, which is pretty much rare. Like Burkhead doesn't usually stay healthy all year. He did last year for the most part, but anytime he's been in a significant role, that's been a tough thing for him, even when he was in Cincinnati. So being an older player, knowing that, you know, injury is a risk and just knowing that how much this coach coaching staff really likes Damian Pierce. And then the last part, Damian Pierce was a good pass blocker in college. He was also a good receiver in college, right? He was one of the guys that that's one of the things that people got excited about is he really could be an every down back. So I think as soon as the bye week gets here, maybe week six, um, after that, you can see Damian Pierce come out as the every down back. If he does not, it is going to be tough for him to pay off ADP because of what you said. If we've got a team that's only expected to win five games, they're going to be trailing in the second half of games. They've got to throw the ball. If he's not out there like that's going to be a problem and even when you get down inside the five maybe that's normally his role but if you're trying not to chew clock to come back in a game guess what those turn into passing downs not running downs and that takes away touchdown opportunity as well which if you're an early down back we've talked about it multiple times the the formula you do not want is you don't want a running back that's early downs that plays on a bad offense right now I will say that the Texans, you know, sneakily do have a really good offensive line. Um, you know, Brandon Thorne wrote about them being one of the more one of the more sneaky squads, and we saw them getting a lot of push last week. Now I don't know how many starters were on the defense for the other team, so I'm not here to talk to you about how Damian Pierce looked like Barry Sanders, you know, in the preseason. I was just kind of making fun of people getting so excited, um, but I do think there's a really good opportunity, and you got to bake it into his range of outcomes because if you don't think that, honestly, you just shouldn't take him. 
Because right now, I just looked over on FFPC, so sharper drafts typically lead ahead of where our home leagues are. He's already going in round five at FFPC. He's going round five, pick eight. And so over in home leagues, though, right now, you can still get him round seven, round eight. I think that's a much more reasonable price. So if you're going to take him in round five or six, like you kind of got to make a bet on on the talent and him having that opportunity to take over. Can't really say for sure way to, way it's going to go. Like I've, I've got it one way, Nathan's got it the other, and I can see it going either way. I could see being in a position in round six, maybe at the end of round five, if like it's one of those drafts where, you know, your entire queue is just like going one after another. Like every single player that you're hoping falls to you just doesn't. The Rashad Batemans aren't falling there. Edmonds has already gone and stuff. At that point, okay, if it's Damian Pierce versus, you know, Dwayne, that kind of like Elijah Moore tier versus why I might That's even say where it's going to be. That's kind yeah. of the, you're right at that spot. That's where I think it's fair. I'm not taking them before that. And I'm okay with that, but I'm just trying to like Nathan, a lot of our listeners here, they do one draft a year. Would you pay a round five or round six pick to get Damian Pierce? I'd wait till round seven. Dwayne, similar sentiment. Yeah. If I've got one draft round seven is where I want to aim. You know, again, it depends on my build. If I've started zero RB, and I know I can take Pearson six and Edmonds and seven, and I play ADP. Then I'm trying to get both of them, you know. Oh, so sorry. it just depends on how you started your draft. But if you've got two running backs on your roster already, there's no way I'm drafting Damian Pearson round five. No way, absolutely no way. It was a good uh, cordial. I think that's how you say that word. Good, good discussion, guys. I think we we had some heat there, but we didn't get offended. Like it's just good stuff. Okay, so moving on. I had a little handcuff article go up on PFF.com. I know Nathan did as well earlier this week. I didn't have the most uh, you know robust analytical method for doing this. I, I treated it more as an art than a science, which maybe you disagree with, but it is what it is. It's on the website, so there we go. Tier one, basically, I was just trying to find running backs that we really believe could have the fantasy-friendly three-down role. We'll say 70% of the snaps or more if their starter goes down. I do think there's a handful of teams now that actually have this opportunity, maybe some running backs that we aren't necessarily given that role. So I'm going to list, I believe, the 11 teams that I had here. You guys can make fun of me, you know, list any others I'm missing or just object when I am finished. So with the New York Jets, I do think – yeah, Michael Carter's maybe the starter, but we're drafting Brees Hall first. With that said, if something happens to Brees Hall, yes, Michael Carter, every chance to be that feature back. He did hit the 70% snap threshold on three occasions as a rookie. Tevin Coleman's out of the picture with the Patriots. I was mocking all the things that had to go right for, you know, Ramondre Stevenson to get this three-down roll. Well, James White retired. Ty Montgomery's got an ankle injury. J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris, like every single thing I jokingly was saying months ago, well, shit, they pretty much happened. So it does seem like Ramondre Stevenson really might be one injury of Damon Harris away from being the running back. Y'all, with the Browns, we saw when Kareem Hunt got injured, Dearness Johnson takes the pass down role. I'm not convinced that if Nick Chubb gets hurt that they're going to take Kareem Hunt off the field on his normal work. I think Kareem Hunt has a higher ceiling without Nick Chubb than Chubb without Kareem Hunt. With the Colts, Dwayne talked about Naeem Hines earlier. Love that call. With the Broncos, just as Javante Williams would go off without Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon would presumably go off without Javante Williams. Tony Pollard with the Cowboys, A.J. Dillon with the Packers, Alexander Madison with the Vikings, Khalil Herbert with the Bears, my guy Jamal Williams with the Lions, and Daryl Henderson with the Rams, who is another good sleeper running back that none of us mentioned, but I know we still have him listed as a sleeper with the lovely Pro Football Focus app. So again, guys, Daryl Henderson, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, Alexander Madison, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Melvin Gordon, Naeem Hines, Kareem Hunt, Ramondre Stevens, and Ramondre Stevenson, and Michael Carter. Dwayne, anything about that that makes you, you know, 
if I was wearing my glasses, like want to break them? <laughs> no, I think you nailed it. Um, the other one we could add um, would be because we don't know for sure what's going to happen with Brian Robinson. Sounds like he was pretty fortunate with the way things went. But if J.D. McKissick went down now, like Antonio right. Gibson would be one of those every down backs for some period. I don't know. I think it's fair. Maybe you put him in like a, you know, his own little tier below all those guys you said, because we have a caveat that Brian Robinson could eventually, and hopefully we'll be back sometime this season. But Gibson has is again, archetype explosive pass catching back played with a shin injury last year, played it with a toe injury the year before. I don't even think we've seen the true, you know, we've seen the upside necessarily of what we can get with Antonio Gibson. And he's been pretty decent, right. As a running back, um, you know, on the ground for a guy that was basically a receiver in college. So I know some people just basically wad him up and throw him in the trash can, but I think he fits this list now based on what's going on with the commanders. I swear to God, if Jonathan Williams gets the first snap of the season and not watched him backfield, <laughs> I am I am going to be furious. If we have to go through this shit now after already everything that's happened. <laughs> well, you know, my, Nathan will be the first one to tweet it. So that's gosh. where you'll hear it from is from Nathan's account. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Again, Nathan, you have also a uh, handcuff article up. Your tier one, the proven elite handcuffs, Tony Pollard and A.J. Dillon. Tier two with top 10 potential, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson, Kareem Hunt, and Naeem Hines. Tier three, Daryl Henderson, Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, and James Robinson. Only guy we're a little bit off on. I will say James Robinson, like I, I fully get it. If he's healthy and stuff, that's that's fine. He would got we know he has three down ability. He might already be the three down starter for all we know. I do think it's going to be split up between him and ETN. But if ETN were out of the picture, yes, James Robinson, big things. Finally, tier four, the potential every down backs. And this is basically, uh, you know, just you throw a few more names in there. But Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams, Mark Ingram, and Dontrell Hilliard. Hilliard's the interesting one, man. If we wanted to go deep with the sleepers, like Nathan, based on the usage, and we saw us in a couple backfields where like, yeah, the starting running back got treated like a starter, but Dontrell Hilliard was well ahead of Hassan Haskins and Julius Chestnut the entire preseason. Uh, yeah, there were games in the preseason where he was among the starters who didn't get to play. And then when he did play, he basically like took the first drive, took first down, second down, third down. And then his day was done before a bunch of other people who started those games. So he definitely is in the top two um, last year before Tennessee started getting more running backs that they were happy with after Derrick Henry. There was a game where he saw double digit carries and he's known more as a receiving back, which we expect him to be the receiving back this year. But um, based on their rotation of the two rookies behind him, it doesn't seem like there's a clear guy after him and they kept both of the rookies on the roster. So I think Hilliard's a guy, and yeah, they would sub him out here and there, but I think he would at least be the starter on early downs and see a majority of the carries plus the passing down work. Got a few ranking discrepancies to go over next, but before that, going to quickly pay some bills. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly, and now everyone can experience the throw of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code pff to get 200 in free bets instantly when you place a five dollar bet on any football game that's code pff only at DraftKings sportsbook 
21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. One per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. And, folks, our newest partner is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable. That company is Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol was a PFF sponsor last year, and they are back for this football season. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win. I've, I have a degree in finance, guys. I still don't fully understand what a dividend is, but it sounds cool. And, you know, if hey – Fantasy football, making money, I can get behind both those things. Symbol took the throw of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fan. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and use code Ian to receive a free team stock valued up to $150 upon signing up. The PFF team is even getting in the Symbol market themselves this season. Create a free account, enter code Ian to get a free stock valued up to $150 and compete against the PFF Forecast podcast this season on Symbol. If you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. We've all been there in fantasy football leagues. It's Sunday morning, and you're digging through news reports, trying to figure out whether to start your stud wide receiver that tweaked his hamstring last week, or you have a player on your team who hasn't been getting in the end zone, and then one week he suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench. With Underdog Fantasy, all the stress of who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball format. Draft your teams before the season starts and get the best score in your lineup each week. Right now, you can draft an Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 tournament to take a shot at $10 million and total prizes plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF and if you play just 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF you get a free PFF subscription underdog drafts close before NFL kickoff so what are you waiting for head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the app store play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today Alvin Kamara why is he this low in ADP? It's because of the legal situation. That's what happened all offseason, and we had to rank him appropriately, and it has now taken him a little bit of time to get back up into the usual round one range where he has been going for the better part of the last half decade. With that said, not completely in the clear. The next court hearing is scheduled for September 28th, I believe. We did have Adam Schefter report that most likely we're not going to have anything happen in 2022 with there potentially being video, though. It's at least fair to say... As far as we know, Alvin Kamara has more potential legal issues than any other running back. Now, whether that percentage issue is, you know, 10% versus 1%, that's the discussion. So, Dwayne, you have Alvin Kamara, RB11. Nathan and I said, fuck it. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. We have him up to RB7. Explain, Dwayne, why you're okay letting, you know, Alvin Kamara. Basically, you're at a point where he kind of needs to fall to you just a little bit in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm still targeting him in the middle of the second round. <clears throat> and I mean, if someone wants to take him, you know, in the early second round, like I get it, like go ahead. Um, but it's just because there is this thing hanging over him. Like I, I'm not really worried about him getting suspended this year unless like video leaks. Like even this next court date is nothing real. Like the, nothing's going to happen there. Like they're just basically, this is a, it's a formality. Like they're kicking this thing down. They're kicking the can down the road. There's not going to be anything happen this year. Um, again, Drew Davenport, not only follow him for auction advice, uh, follow him for his legal stuff. He does some great threads. He's got great threads on Camara. Um, he's been pretty accurate with pretty much most of this stuff, you know, and, and, you know, at least he knows the legal system and he's been sharing, you know, what, what these legal terms we don't understand, you know, Ian's an accountant and doesn't know a dividend. 
I'm not a lawyer and I definitely don't know what like a continuance or any of this kind of crap means, but Drew does. And he explains it all to you. Um, that might not even been a real term. I may have just made that one up, but <laughs> looking at Camara, it's just, it's just that little bit of risk to where I'm like, do I really need to take him ahead of Deandre Swift? Do I really need to take him ahead of Aaron Jones? Like I have them profiled similarly. They're, they're pass catching backs. They're going to be on the field for probably 50%, you know, of their carries. They're going to be involved in the passing game. You know, so I mean, really, I've got an archetype that's the same. The other thing I would say with Kamara is, you know, last year, you know, he also took a little bit of a step back. So if you look at him, you know, he didn't have Drew Brees for the first time, you know, for a full season. You've got him with Jameis Winston. Targets per route run, 24%, still really good, you know, for a running back. That's that's better than what a typical RB1 would get. But this is a guy that had been at 33%, 29%, 27%, 30%. Yards per route run came down as well, 1.62 versus he had been up over two, which is absolutely bananas, you know, for a running back to be over two. He had been over two three times in his career before last year. And I'm not saying that he's washed or anything, but there's just enough, right? He's going to be 27 years old. I've got to worry a little bit about Jameis Winston. He's got more target you know, competition than arguably he's ever had. We got Mike Thomas coming back. You had Chris Olave in the first round. Um, you bring in Jarvis Landry, who works in the same area of the field, you know, that underneath short stuff. Um, so I feel like there's just enough questions that even if he were not going to be suspended, even if he were not, you know, and didn't have anything legally hanging over his head, I would have been ranking Kamara lower than what I had the last two seasons, just based on this information and based on his age. Now, I will say, like, typically the, you know, the type of profile or archetype, if you will, that can overcome age issues, it's typically the guys that can catch passes. Right. So, I mean, we saw Marshall Falk do it late in his year in, in his career. We saw Priest Holmes come back and do it late in his career. These guys that are really dependent on, you know, heavy workloads between the tackles, you know, scoring a lot of touchdowns, they tend to fall off more quickly than what we do, the what we see the pass catching backs. But having said all that, I think there's just enough to think, OK, I would have already moved him down anyway. I got to worry about this video coming out all season. The other thing I think we could have to worry about is what if the Saints suck and they decide or Camara just decides, let's just get this thing over with. Like then they want to push the thing forward to happen this year because that's another possibility that could happen. And if that does, that's right in the middle of your fantasy playoffs. It's going to be likely, you know, week 12, 13, they're going to know enough about their season. They could just be like, you know what? Camara's going to shut it down. He's going to try to take his suspension this year. And that could be something that his legal team could work out. So I feel like there's just enough concern around all these different things that I don't feel like I've got to take him over some of these other guys. I feel like I'm getting a similar player, um, similar ceilings, maybe a little bit less ceilings, but you know, similar you know, floors without the legal issue. But once you add the legal issue in, definitely Kamara has got the much larger um, you know, issue as far as where his floor could be for the season. I love having Nate here because when Dwayne brings up a lot of good points, I can just throw it over to Nate and be like, yeah, Nate, some points <laughs> on this. Now, uh, how are you going to respond uh, to that? Real quick though, like Nathan, if you could just talk a little bit about what, kind of our expectations, like legal stuff aside, because we can't predict it. And I think Dwayne did a good job explaining all the angles that go into that. But with Kamara last year, to Dwayne's point, he was not very efficient. I mean, we all talk about Saquon Barkley averaging 3.7 yards per carry, same exact amount as Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I know the missed tackle sports and stuff like that. Certainly more so in Kamara's favor, but we did see, man, 13 games, 240 rush attempts for Alvin Kamara. Previously, he'd never even passed 194 despite playing in more games. And meanwhile, his receptions, yeah, he missed the time. But even after, you know, just taking his per game reception total, multiplying it by 17, we're still looking at it would have been the first time in his career that he didn't even hit 80, let alone even hit 70. So overall thoughts on what this backfield is going to be, Nathan. I did notice that uh, you are thinking that Mark Ingram could have that every down roll. 
I had a little disclaimer in my handcuff tier article because they did give Mark Ingram that every down roll. I think he played like 87% of the snaps or something absurd in that first game when they brought him back last year, kind of as the Kamara insurance. So what do you expect, uh, Nathan, like in a week where both Kamara and Ingram are fully healthy? How do you kind of anticipate this uh, rotation going? And could you see Kamara's role despite the new competition getting back to that, you know, 100 plus target, just fancy friendly superstar that we know and love? Yeah, I think he'll definitely have the receiving work. I can think he'll have the majority of carries when both of them are healthy. Um, I think definitely one of the reasons that I still like Kamara, despite the fact that he started to regress a little bit, is that his backup is Mark Ingram, who is an older running back who has already regressed a couple years ago. So um, I'm not as worried about him potentially losing playing time because he regressed, so I think he'll still have the volume. Um, I do trust the offense to do decently well. And we are just, what, 2020, he was RB1 overall. So even though he regressed a little bit, I could very well see a new head coach, which, yeah, he had plenty of say before. But after, like, okay, what we did last year didn't work, let's go back to what we did two years ago when Kamara was working well. So I could very well see that be a scenario where they stop having him run the ball so much and start getting him the ball more through the air like they were doing with him before. So um, I can see that strategy changing and that's why i'm more comfortable still sliding him in probably right at the end of the first round all right Dwayne, you're off the hot seat time to critique one of nathan's rankings we're not going to critique mine because i wrote the show sheet so you guys you guys should have thought ahead if you wanted to put me on the spot here so ha anyway nathan you have saquon barkley rb 13 19th player overall it's not egregious and there are some i mean i think the espn adp like it has saquon going like round three sometimes so it's not that people won't be necessarily getting saquon here i would think though you know you go in some of these sharper rooms and he's really more than ever gone if not by the end of round one just really quickly around that turn are you comfortable not full fading saquon nate but having you know less of him than a lot of people out there oh yeah i'm fine with it because he's a guy that is in the like top 15 where we know he's going to get the volume so anyone who's in that category who's getting the volume we're happy to pick that high but uh comparing him to someone like james connor in arizona connor has played better than barkley these last couple years he has a better offensive line the offense is better, which will get him more red zone opportunities. And Connor, last year after Chase Edmonds was hurt, Connor was seeing some of the receiving situations where Barkley can also be the receiver, but Matt Breida, his backup, can also do some of the receiving work where in Arizona they were rotating between three different guys to be the backup, plus the rookies, their fifth running back. So I know there's a saying, if you have two quarterbacks who have none, if you have four backup running backs, I don't think you have a backup running back. So um, just that's I have a couple guys like that directly ahead of him. Leonard Fournette's another one that I think has played better, is in a better offense, has a better, well, probably not a better offensive line anymore after so many guys have gotten hurt, but um, is in a better situation to score a lot of touchdowns where I think the Giants offense will struggle more, which even though Barkley, I see him having the volume, I think it'll be harder for him to have the touchdowns than some of these backs in better offenses. That's why I – and I'm st we're still waiting for maybe one of those backup running backs in Arizona to emerge as the RB2. And if they do, then okay, they're going to be someone probably in that RB50 range as a viable handcuff, maybe more. But, yeah, the who's going to take Chase Edmonds' role? Guys, we saw it last year. It was James Conner. James Conner keeps the James Conner role, and he takes the Chase Edmonds' role, and it mm -hmm. becomes the freaking literally 90% workhorse running back that Cliff Kingsbury is one of the few head coaches out there uh, still willing to use. So all good stuff there on Conner, and he's been someone that Dwayne and I – you know, I remember even just
us talking in March. It was just like, this dude has the workload of a freaking top eight running back. And we've been able to kind of step back on that and kind of rank him RB 13, 14 around that range. Cause you don't have to rank him higher in order to get him in the third rounds of drafts. So certainly not trying to make it Barkley versus James Connor. I certainly think that uh, you can get both and probably feel pretty good about the draft. Dwayne, we love Saquon, man. He, he's one of our guys. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to push back on it. Just any any uh, words to people like Nathan potentially, Dwayne, that are just a little hesitant to click that draft button on Saquon Barkley. Still 25, still possibly that world-beating superstar we saw. We saw what 24 months ago. Yeah, I mean Nathan's willing to take him too. I mean he said it. The volume's there. Like the way I look at Saquon is the floor. As long as he's not hurt, is Najee Harris. Right. But if he regains the explosiveness that we saw in 2019 and 18, and we don't know really because 2020 he played two games last year, he was still recovering from the knee injury. Then he hurt his ankle like we didn't we didn't really get to see what Saquon Barkley was last year. But I mean, he's only 25 years old this year. So I'm betting on like the explosiveness returning. You know, this is a guy that like if you look, go back and look at his targets per route run, the 24 percent, 26 percent, like he's had some huge seasons. I think with all the problems that we're going to have with, you know, the coaching staff doesn't like Kenny Galladay. Can Kadarius Tony stay healthy? Wondell Robinson is a small slot receiver. Daniel Bellinger is a is a, you know, a tight end taken way late in the draft or was he even drafted? He might have been undrafted free agent. But I think it's just a situation where which round was he? Fourth round. Yeah. Yeah, So. So looking at, you know, all of these guys, like I just I don't see a way Barkley doesn't I don't see a way Barkley doesn't have at least 100 targets. Right. And I think he's going to be close to 275 carries probably. So and look, I like the explosive pass catchers and that's what he is like. And he is the ultimate explosive weapon. Like if everything comes back, um, you know, we love James Conner, but I'm more worried about James Conner's injuries than I am Saquon Barkley's. Like if we read like the stuff from the medical community and look, it's not perfect and they'll tell you that. But like James Conner is the guy that like our guy like Edwin Porras is the most worried about. Like this is a guy that's got a pattern of injuries that tend to repeat themselves, you know, whenever you're struggling with the things that he has. Whereas when he looks at Saquon Barkley, he says, look, Saquon Barkley basically like is just as likely to be healthy as he is to be injured. And so when I hear things like that from the folks that I trust more than me, you know, um, from that standpoint. And again, like I don't care if you're on a good offense, if you're going to catch passes like CMC played on really terrible offenses right and was the number one running back overall and so i think barkley literally has that type of upside i just don't think that's in the range of outcomes for james connor um i agree on all the things about the better offense the touchdowns and those things but at the end of the day i think barkley is a true like freak of nature like if he's healthy and if you give him the full workload i i just he could he could beat out cmc for one for 101 cmc is the 101 if he's healthy if not, like we know it's JT, but I think Barkley could easily be in the conversation next year where we're saying, wow, like this guy's a top three pick. I just don't see that for Connor. It is a funny phenomenon where we have these really good fantasy running backs and we we just kind of convince ourselves like, no, they really are different. It's not it's not all that volume they got. No, this <laughs> this James Robinson in 2020, you know, he truly is just one of the most special guys out there. It wasn't the fact he got 289 touches in freaking 14 games. So that's just don't run into that issue, I guess, where you're looking at, because I've seen literally, Dwayne, basically what you were saying about all the injured giants and all like the, where the hell are they going to go with the football? And I saw someone write out like that, basically exact same tweet and like be like, so why is everyone interested in Saquon Barkley? It's like, that's why. <laughs> where, where are they going to go with the football? Like we saw it with Najee Harris last year. Everyone was concerned about the offensive line. We said it doesn't matter because he's going to get so much volume that he can be bad and he's not going to bust. What happened? He was bad. The offensive line wasn't good. Like this was really just 
probably worst case for Najee, and he finished as an RB1 because when you have that much volume, it is awfully hard to bust. So yeah, Saquon, you know, versus some of these other running backs, sure, it can be a one-for-one, one, but awfully hard to be a full fade on a guy with that type of volume, in my humble opinion. Bull call time, guys. Last little topic here. Nate, you have a bull call at the running back position ahead of 2022. I have no other guidelines, so I mean, if you just want to say Damian Pierce overall RB1, man, the floor, floor is yours. Um, since I haven't gotten to talk about Avante Williams in a while in Denver, I do think that he will slowly but surely gain more and more of the playing time in Denver. And therefore I definitely like him, um, second round of the draft. So I think he is someone that has that RB one overall potential up. Denver's offense can be as good as we think it can be. And they can start scoring a lot more touchdowns in Denver. I think he can be someone that'll be very special because I think you need both the talent and the opportunities, and he definitely has the talent. Dwayne, bull call ahead of the 2022 season. Uh, Travis Etienne finishes as a top 12 back. Again, all I care is like the passing down role on a bad team. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's insulated. Um, now, if he loses the passing down role for some reason, okay, well, like, F my life. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, like, I feel good about him. He's an explosive playmaker. So he has the things we want, right? We, we worry about every down grinders on bad teams because especially if they don't break long plays because it's like how are you going to score a touchdown like how often is your team really down inside the five yard line giving you a chance but when you can make explosive plays like etn can you can still score touchdowns on the ground without having to be you know close in you still could get some of that work inside the five but it's mainly the passing down work man again it's back to the cmc profile was cmc on a good team no did cmc's team score a lot of touchdowns outside of him no but Travis Etienne could potentially do that. We also know that Trevor Lawrence had the number one check down rate in the NFL last season, also played with Travis Etienne in college. And it's just like been really good news, like all through preseason about him. Um, so when I did my ranking of Travis Etienne and I haven't changed it, I, I assume that 50% of the running of the, of the work on the ground and the early down work is going to another back, not named Travis Etienne on the team. And so if for some reason he does get that because James Robinson, you know, starts slow, suffers a setback, they don't think Snoop Connor's ready to handle that kind of work, then all of a sudden, like, wow, like it's going to be really hard to keep Travis Etienne out of the top six if he's getting that 65, 70% workload. But that's not even how I projected him. And he still projects as a late round three, early round four pick. Um, you know, so he just checks all the boxes that I want to see. Um, and again, I'm, I'm buying into the archetype. I know sometimes we're going to be wrong on these players. But like historically, like that is the type of player that can hit really big for you. So I'll go with Travis Etienne. You said if he like doesn't get the pass down role, he doesn't get the pass down role, Dwayne. As our families are oh, leaving God. us and we're and we're yes. screaming about we're screaming about how the process was right. We're gonna follow that up with and screw Doug Peterson because well, come on, man. At that point, that would just be that would be a tough L to take. But we we're moving say. in with Nathan if if Travis <laughs> Etienne does not get the passing down work. <laughs> You can make some room for us, okay? <laughs> That's only a half joke, Nathan. Seriously. All right, my bull call: Cordero Patterson, top fifteen PPR running back. It's like a again, just an inexplicable fall for someone that was a legit upside RB one. He was a top seven running back on a per game basis before he sprained his ankle last season. Comes back, and yeah, he was playing hurt. RB three. What happened in the offseason, just like guys like Chase Evans that were hyping up, just like other running backs that just have an empty depth chart. What the hell are we calling behind Cordero Patterson? Like fifth round Tyler Algier, like it's just an actual thing because people just refuse to give CPAT the respect that he deserves as an explosive pass catching back. And the fact that we've been able to get him, Kareem Hunt, 
Chase Edmonds, who's on the up and up, but getting those guys, you know, in rounds seven through eight, all offseason long, even rounds nine, round 10 every now and again, just in my opinion, one of the biggest cheat codes of the 2022 offseason. So it's seldom, seldom seeing guys that I get to, uh, take one of my irrational fandom takes and just fully ride with it in the fantasy football. But here we are. We're doing it. What could possibly, uh, what could possibly go wrong here? So CPAT top 15 PPR RB Dwayne says, Travis Etienne top 12 PPR RB Nathan. I forget yours. I got caught up with top five for Williams. That's right. We love Javante too, man. That was a that was a wild week before they resigned not week but before they resigned Melvin Gordon and Dwayne came out with the way too early ranks and it was Javante RB two you probably got some death death, death threats oh dude I morning. did I did get a I I actually got a DM on Twitter that guy asked me how I had this job how they let me behind a keyboard that I'm a complete loser um you know I mean I just said yeah man I I guess I am <laughs> but I I'm with you, man. I love Javante. I do think it's funny though. Nate, Nate's willing to fade Melvin Gordon, but he's going to let Rex Burkhead hold back uh, Damian Pierce. You know, I don't let things work both, both way on this podcast, Nate, just so you know, like Ian will tell you, Very well. Ian hates it whenever I do that to him. <laughs> Give my mind a pretzel sometimes. I don't appreciate it, Dwayne, <laughs> but that's okay. All right, everyone. Again, Nate, thank you for coming on, my friend. He'll be back. Wide receiver, tight end editions up tomorrow at PFF underscore Nate Yonke. Dwayne at Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. Mine's, you know, I heart tits. You guys, you guys get the joke there. So, Dwayne, Nathan, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>